nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Um, I just am so grateful with all of the people that have been not only listening, but telling others and uh, uh, going to the website and, and giving us suggestions and input. So I truly do appreciate that. Thank you. Continue to do that. <laughs> the episode that we're doing today, our topic is nurses, scientists and innovators as critical assets to healthcare. Uh, I think we often don't necessarily think of nurses as um, using those particular titles, but as we go into the show, I hope you'll understand how very appropriate that is. So in the last uh, three months, uh, we have almost entirely changed the future needs of the healthcare industry. There are so many unknowns that we need uh, the ideas and gifts of everyone in this field to ask and answer the right questions. Nurses have historically been amazing innovators in times of crisis, finding workarounds to create positive outcomes for patients. This has been a well-kept secret. However, now is the time for nurses to come out from the shadows of doctors. Today's nurses are highly trained and capable of making critical patient and organizational decisions. Nurses need to lead on the front lines of healthcare uh, and deeply be deeply involved in the decisions being made. I believe that when this happens, hospitals, clinics, and healthcare will look much different, and the positive results for patients in general uh, will be will be demonstrated uh, as a tremendous value to our country. Also, so today my guests are Shauna Butler, who is a nurse economist based in Austin, Texas. She's working to bring world experts together collaborating to change the present and the future of healthcare. She is deeply involved in seeing what is needed now and into the future. Tim Ratterstorff is the Chief Innovation Officer at the Ohio State University College of Nursing and has a long list of accolades uh, behind his name. So, Shauna, if you could, uh, you call yourself a trend spotter, a rapport builder, and a tech enthusiast. Can you tell us a little bit about your bio and how you came to this place in your career? Well, thank you, Leanne. It is so good to be here with you, and I really appreciate that you've selected this topic, um, nurses as innovators and um, scientists, and yes, critical to, it's a critical asset. So my current role, um, I am the host of a podcast called See You Now, where we are focused on the human-centered health innovations that nurses are driving. And in addition to that, I'm also the managing director for a conference called Exponential Medicine, where we are looking at those technologies which are on exponential curves. And let me name a few of them, something like 3D printing, um, drones, more and more data, point-of-care services, um, point-of-care testing, all of which are <clears throat> incredibly important at this moment in time. And I came to those roles from having done a wide range of work across the globe, actually, and most recently, I had been um, in Europe, 
specifically in the Netherlands, working as a, in a program that I stood up called the Entrepreneurs in Residence, where mm-hmm. I have been very focused on making sure that nurses are formally included in our innovation agendas and innovation work. And I came to a lot of that work by um, being a clinician, um, developing my, my clinical skills in academic environments. I started my clinical career uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the outbreak of another epidemic, um, a pandemic, the AIDS crisis. And simultaneously, really? we were all, yeah, simultaneously, we were also seeing a financial crisis. We were seeing a business model innovation crisis. Um, there were just so many different things that came together. And what I've learned over my career is that pandemics are a really good catalyst for seeing um, cracks that become chasms in our care. And so from that clinical realm, I developed, I furthered my academic preparation. Um, I had the influence of an economist, a very well-known economist whose family I actually ended up taking care of. But he encouraged me. He said, um, you know, I, I, I come to this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a family member of a patient. I see what you guys are doing clinically, and I have a whole host of questions. What I see happening clinically does not match with what I understand economically. And he was the one that actually encouraged me. Um, it was Paul Volcker, as a matter of fact. He mm-hmm. just recently passed mm-hmm. away. It was quite, yeah, um, the former Fed chairman. But he was the one that said, you know, I want, I encourage you. Clearly you understand this clinical realm. I encourage you to go study and understand the business and the economics of health, disability, care systems. And so there's, um, I've never changed careers. I just keep adding them. So there's a portion (laughs) of the technology portfolio. Um, Another really important influence was serving as an international, I did international medical repatriations. And so that's a lot of words, but what does that mean? Somebody is sick somewhere that is not their Mm -hmm. home. And it Mm -hmm. usually requires crossing borders. And I got involved. I was the nurse who would go on the ground and figure out what needs to happen clinically and then what needs to happen logistically. And so I got to see global health from a a service delivery. Most of the time Mm -hmm. when we talk about global health, we're looking at population statistics and disease burdens and infrastructure. I got to Mm -hmm. see what delivering a child looks like in Tanzania, in Tennessee, in Tunisia. So pregnancy is the same, you know, Mm -hmm. metabolically and physiologically, but the experience of it is definitely driven by our culture and our healthcare system. So that was where this global health, and then there was another phase in my life that really opened up my eyes to the ability that technology has to have a scale-wise change and impact in um, what we can do and who we can serve. Uh, so there are a lot of different influences that there's this career progression. And like I said, it's never, I've never mm-hmm. changed careers. I just keep adding them. Adding so, on to it. This is really a perfect example of what I keep saying for the last three years is how um, diverse that nursing is. You can start with that same RN uh, licensure and from there, you can go in almost any direction you can think of, and, and I think now even more so. Um, and this is part of why um, people haven't 
really realize that it isn't just the bachelor's degree that nurses have or, you know, in the past um, diplomas or associate degrees. Um, it's so much more. And, and nurses are able to add on so many different levels in any situation they're in, even if it is in healthcare. I'm hearing people going into um, other industries than healthcare and still being able to um, add a lot to it. So, Tim uh, Ratterstorp, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be where you are and brag on yourself a little bit because you've got some pretty wonderful awards. Thank you, Leanne. I appreciate that. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Any any minute I get to spend with Shauna is a blessing, and uh, I'm so excited for this episode based off of just the first five minutes that, of intro that Shauna gave, uh, because every time I speak with her, I learn more and more about her and the, the amazing things that she's done, uh, not just for our profession, but for people around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. So my name is Tim Raderstorff. I'm, I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at The Ohio State University College of Nursing, I'm the first nurse to hold that academic title in the world that we're aware of. Um, mm. And then also, uh, I'm the Head of Academic Entrepreneurship at the Erdos Institute, which is a spin-out program at Ohio State that helps PhDs find and create jobs that they love. Uh, another mm-hmm. rabbit hole that you could dive down in, in other episodes is, is uh, how we handle the talent in America. And we have about, depending on the year, between 40 to 60,000 PhD graduates uh, mm. for about four to 6,000 PhD academic positions. Um, wow. So the Airdash Institute helps these highly trained, highly motivated individuals uh, rebrand themselves as data scientists or other um, other positions that would be desperately needed by our industry partners uh, and find success and happiness through those roles. So um, th- those are my, my formal titles. I am uh, I like to refer to myself as a, a curator of curiosity. I've always been a very curious <laughs> individual um, and found that, found the nursing profession through a pretty circuitous path. I'm the only graduate at The Ohio State University uh, to have majored in what's called humanistic medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason that that's the case is because I went to a, a college uh, prep school in, in Dayton, Ohio, Kettering, Ohio, um, and I, was, I excelled at math and science. So uh, if you were a male and you excelled at math and science at that school, you were encouraged to go pre-med. And uh-huh. uh, if, you, if you didn't excel in those then you were encouraged to, to go law, pre-law. Uh, that, that was pretty much the pathway forward. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But, you know, nursing was never really an opportunity for me. It was nothing that mm-hmm. anyone ever put in front of me until after uh, undergrad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went, through, went to Ohio State, did the pre-med thing, um, should, have, should have noticed m- many times throughout, throughout that journey that this was not jiving with um, with where I wanted to be in life now at that time and in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I graduated from Ohio State, I was very fortunate that my brother um, had been volunteering uh, for years at that time uh, with Paul Newman, helping him uh, do his his fundraising galas for the Hole in the Wall Game Camp in Ashford, Connecticut, which is a camp for kids with, with serious illnesses. And it's, it's actually more, you know, they call it a camp, but it's really a hematology oncology clinic surrounded mm-hmm. by a bunch of things that you would see at summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, my brother said, hey, you know, I know you're struggling, don't know where you're going to be uh, next year, but why don't you just come out and spend a week with me at, at the hole in the wall over, over the summer and, um, you know, see if that can fill up your cup and get you through the next year. So wow. 
I went out there, immediately fell in love with the experience. Um, they said, hey, we, we, we have some gaps in volunteers for the last week of the, the um, summer. Would you come back then? And uh, when I came back then, they said, hey, you should really apply next year. So I, I spent a year being a special education paraprofessional, uh, started, I don't know if it was the millennial trend, but did the very millennial thing of living in my parents' basement for a year. Um, <laughs> and then and then I went back and worked at this camp full time. And it became, uh, to say it was a life-changing experience would be an understatement because not only did I find um, the profession that I loved in nursing and seeing what the nurses did there for the you know, 100 to 120 children with serious illnesses that came in each week, I also found the love of my life there who was a lifeguard. And uh, we now have, have three children based off, of, based off of that summer we spent together uh, at the home logging camp. Um, yeah, always so good to listen to your brother. Sounds like a rom-com, Tim. Sounds like a rom-com. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a little bit of rom-com-y for sure. Um, but we that, that summer, you know, I, I met all these amazing nurses and, and decided, all right, this is where I'm going to go. So I immediately came back, started um, started researching nursing school, and, and that, that was when people finally started talking to me. But it was mostly through the lens of you should go back and be a nurse practitioner because you wanted to be a physician. Mm-hmm. And um you know, in doing more research, I realized that that while being a nurse practitioner is, is a wonderful, wonderful pathway, I, I was longing for that intimate bedside connection, you know, 12 mm-hmm. hours a day with patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called up my, my college roommate whose mother was a um, professor at, at a school in Cincinnati, and she said, you know, even though you don't want to be a nurse practitioner, I really think you should do an accelerated master's program. Um, instead of a bachelor's program, since you already have the degree, it'll, it'll cost you mm-hmm. an extra semester. But the, the doors, the doors of the profession will open widely to you. So I went to Xavier right. University and did a um, a their Midas program, which is a second degree entry CNL program. Mm-hmm. And um, upon graduating there, I, I went back to my love of pediatric hematology oncology at Nationwide Children's Hospital in in, um, in Columbus. But I was only there at the bedside for 13 months before I got asked to take on the management role of our five outpatient clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, uh, when, when you talk about timing in life, um, we, we were moving to a new hospital. Uh, we, we had built a new 12, 12-story tower, and we were consolidating our clinics from, from three different locations uh, to one location. So I got very quickly involved with process improvement um, and, and innovation and practice uh, in, in real time and mm-hmm. fell in love with that. And that has kind of been the snowball to my role to innovation. Um, I got quickly after that was recruited to Ohio State to help as they were doing the same thing, moving their emergency department to a new building. Um, and that's where I came up with an invention that uh, led me to pitch my idea to Dr. Byrne Melnick. Um, and she saw, what, you know, when, when she speaks and, and is looking for people, she always says we look for people um, with a gleam in their eye and a fire in their belly. Mm-hmm. And I see that in you. Yeah. Why, don't you. Why don't you come work with me? Um, and that snowballed into multiple positions uh, of being the, becoming the chief innovation officer, uh, but also developing and running our innovation studio platform, which is a, an opportunity to democratize innovation across higher education and across health systems to really give the people at the front lines who understand problems the most a platform to co-create and co-solve those problems with individuals who have complementary skill services, um, so or skill sets, I should say. And um, that's been where I've put the majority of my work and my influence in nursing over the last three years is giving nurses a voice where they previously didn't have one, 
uh, in attempting to move that beyond our, our scope and sphere of influence at Ohio State to uh, organizations across the country. That is incredible. And you didn't even mention that you were just this year, is it, um, uh, named the 40 under 40? Say something about that. Uh, well, I am the, you know, I talked about meeting my, my lifeguard wife at, at summer camp, but I'm following mm-hmm. in her, her footsteps. She was 40 under 40 last year. Oh. Um, so I, I was named uh, one year after her, Columbus Business First 40 under 40, uh, and very, very proud to be one of two nurses from our College of Nursing uh, wow. to receive that award. They had, they had I think, a 270 applicants this year. Um, wow. And just thrilled that, that two nurses uh, were, are going to be honored this year. Now it's even more incredible that the two of you came together where you did. Yeah, and I think it's a good point that you brought up because nurses frequently are not um, in those designations or in those accolades. And um, it's exciting to see that there is an acknowledgement and helping to um, value nurses in that way uh, and the nursing skills. It's not so much nurses, but it is evaluating their contribution in under a business lens. And it gives you both a platform. It it gives both of you a platform to be able to explain you're not singular. There's many, many of you out there. Yeah, there's actually a a CNO from another organization that that was listed as well. So three three of the 40 people uh, this year were, were nurses, which I don't think there had been more than one in the last 15 years. So um, it's pretty exciting to see the recognition this year. Let's this jump into our topic. Pre-COVID as well. Yeah, so let's, that, let's ju- jump into our topic here with COVID. Um, what we have realized is that COVID has exposed the healthcare industry's weaknesses, uh, their resource waste, and areas of ineffectiveness. But uh, in what ways does this create also a tremendous opportunity? Shauna, do you want to address that first, and then um, Tim can jump in? Yeah, Um <sighs> First, I just want to just take a deep breath and recognize this is um, overwhelming and exhausting and stressful. So as much Mm -hmm. as, you know, positioning what COVID is, um, there's a certain degree of weight that I think everyone around the globe is feeling. So I just want to acknowledge that and and, um, give us all a moment to just say, yeah, okay. Where, when I think about this, and and I have, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, I really think that. Um, what COVID is exposing is it, it's showing us what our priorities have been and what they have not been. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, is this unbelievably strained public health system. We mm-hmm. talk about, you know, we've got all of these institutions and resources and professions and technologies, and there's a ton of stuff. This is a moment that calls upon public health and where we are seeing um, the underinvestment, and maybe it's not as exciting or as, as sexy. I think it's also revealed our interconnectedness and our interdependencies on the social services and the health services. I mean, you cannot unbundle education, housing, food systems. We're seeing, and and our economic systems, we're seeing how all of that comes together. I think it's also revealed heavily um, the inequities and disparities. I mean, we've talked about that. We talk about the social determinants. We have numbers. We have graphs. We see all of those things. It is glaring right now and it's it's everything all at once you cannot not see it and what we're also seeing is that when one is vulnerable everyone is vulnerable and right. these are 
um, a pandemic is is a moment that everybody across the world is focusing on the exact same thing at the exact same time. We just mm-hmm. have there are very few opportunities where that happens, and where when you talk about the opportunity. What I think it is revealing, or one of the things that it's revealing, is just how vital nursing is to keeping, it's the glue that's hanging all of these things together, and just how vital it is for there to be the right numbers in the right places with the right sets of skills, and the ability that nurses have to be agile and mobile in many different ways. So that opportunity, you know, from the standpoint of where I have been spending a lot of time right now is working with health systems and technologies in thinking about this very first thing is how do we go virtual first? How do we do things? I mean, our current situation, which is a very much bricks and mortar, face-to-face, you know, with some technology in there, you know, we're using Mm -hmm. electronic medical records, we're using data, but that bricks-and-mortar face-to-face is exactly, we can't do that anymore. We can't have people congregating in a waiting area, you know, mm-hmm. spreading the transmission. So we've right. had to completely rethink all of those different um, processes and care pathways and protocols. We've just had to do things. We still have people who have heart attacks, they're having their cancers, they're having babies, they're having car crashes, any number of things. We have to rethink not only how we do that, but how we do it in a virtualized situation and how we do it in the face of a respiratory novel virus. And I say novel with mm-hmm. emphasis. Right. This is something new. And there's the whole added stress of trying to figure out what is this virus? How does it attack the body? How is it transmitted? What are the treatment plans for it? So there's problem solving and there's innovation just around that novel virus, but then having to really rethink, reimagine, redeploy quickly in real time how we deliver services, how we care exactly. for people. Exactly. So, and it's it's so very important that we, uh, I don't know that people really register that this novel virus aspect of it means that it's never been before. There has never been this particular virus before. And it seems like either people look at scientists and they say, oh, they should know everything about this. Or they look at scientists and say, well, what do they know? All of their projections have been you know, wrong or off or whatever based on how their perception of what they're looking at. Tim, uh, address this question too. So I think there's, I mean, it, it's hard to think of this as an opportunity, uh, but I think it's very true. I think at moving forward, there there will be a new world. Uh, mm-hmm. That there's there's the world pre-COVID and the world post-COVID, and mm-hmm. every organization right now has the opportunity to rebrand themselves as the leading organization in a post-COVID world. So that requires leaders to take a, a new approach to to. Um, to bringing the organization to the fray. And I think the, the, the key aspect and the thing that we found to be so successful at Ohio State is the impact of listening to the people, whether at the front lines or wherever they are, the people who understand the problem the most. And in healthcare, that's most certainly the people at the front lines. They see the problem. And you know, in nursing, it's see a problem, solve a problem. So mm-hmm. how can we set up organizations to uh, empower those people who see a problem to either solve them themselves or co-create or, or co-solve that problem with the people who have the resources needed uh, to be successful. 
So uh, I, I would say that that's, that's the main opportunity is this ability to rebrand and to rethink how you solve problems within your organization using the intellectual capital that is most valuable in, within your organization. I think the other thing that I think is an opportunity right now um, is to move beyond, which I think has left many, many clinicians um, feeling like they've been drinking from a fire hose uh, as, as new waves of technology are becoming implemented in the health system. And while that may be true, I think this pathway of integrating one new technology followed by another new technology followed by another two technology is really cumbersome. And the doorway is going to be open for some more all-encompassing technologies to come in and address uh, a lot of the, the pain points that, it, that are associated, not necessarily with clinical care, but the other uh, responsibilities that it are required to be a clinician. So I'm very excited to, to have the door be open to more, uh, more startups and more um, industry partners who are recognizing some of the pain points that, that we've seen as clinicians, uh, but now we, we may have a larger uh, pool of partners and other organizations who are willing to help us solve them. Right. You know, Kim, um, when, you were, when you were just saying that about um, not thinking about it as an opportunity, I don't think, I mean, yes, there is that word opportunity. I, my, the word that keeps coming up to my um, mind is moment and the unmet mm-hmm. needs. I mean, we use that in innovation when we're doing human-centered design or empathy-driven design is we always ask, like, what is the unmet need? Mm-hmm. And to your point, Tim, the group of people who are really well-situated to, number one, discover the problem. What is the, the problem? What's the, the missing link? Where are the things that are not working, the gaps in care? They're also, so the, there's proximity. They're proximate to it. And I also think what drives a lot of our improvement and our innovation and our change is being closest to the suffering. And I say that with... Um, mm-hmm. it, it, Suffering is what creates urgency, and, mm-hmm. and there has to be this something that drives things to get things done, because these are um, tough problems to solve, and it's when you see people who are in pain that it, it moves things, that there's a, an urgency mm-hmm. and a crisis type of situation. So I, I think that that's one of the reasons why nurses in particular, those you know, who are closest to that problem, and the other part about it is they have the best feedback loops. They have trust right. and feedback loops. Right. And so if you're trying to figure out how are we going to manage, I mean, one of the big crises right now is PPE. We need to figure out how do we actually deliver care to be good stewards of our PPE and make sure that we're not vectors of transmission, that we're not infecting ourselves, our families, our, our colleagues, or other patients. So that requires us to really think about um, pooling our tasks, um, putting platoons together, um, working in, in bubbles, yeah. and just all of these different things that we need to think about. But I, I really, it is a moment that we are called upon, that we are in a, unique, in a unique position to deliver what the world requires from us. So, yeah, it's an opportunity, but it's a moment that is mm-hmm. you are called and this is the group of people who are right. who are responding to the call and, and are best able to. 
Exactly. I'm so glad that you brought up the humanistic. That was just exactly what I was going to say. I think it's something, you know, we know about nurses being caring and compassionate and all of those things. But what we don't think about is of all the caregivers that take care of of, um, patients and in all the different ways that they can do that. It's generally the nurse that spends the most time with that individual patient and that family. And it, that is where nurses, I think, especially bring uh, the humanistic aspect of it, where they're looking at that person and their family as a whole thing. And it's, you know, all of the other um, uh, aspects of healthcare uh, try to keep that in mind also. But it's the nurse that really is there to bring it all together and make it all work and make it work for that patient and their family. So we're going to take a break here and come back and talk uh, more about innovation. And so today we're talking about nurses as scientists and innovators and as critical assets to healthcare. And my guests today are Shauna Butler, a nurse economist based in Austin, Texas, and um, Tim Ratterstorf, who is the chief innovation, the first chief innovation officer, not only at Ohio State University, but um, across the country. So thank you and um, join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22nd, 2020. Women in to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness 
movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Thank you so much for joining us back again. Uh, this has been and is an exciting uh, conversation. Uh, we're talking about nurses as scientists and innovators and critical assets to healthcare. So my guests today are Shauna Butler, who is a nurse economist, and um, she also does a podcast that is called See You Now, which I think is fantastic. Um, and also Tim uh, Raderstorff, who is a Chief Innovation Officer at the Ohio State University College of Nursing. And both of them have wonderful um, credentials in innovation. So I'd like to go to that now and talk about how innovation um, plays into the role of nursing. And um, uh, Tim, would you like to take that question? Absolutely. So you know, in, innovation is maybe a, a, a term that not all of us as, as nurses are, are comfortable with, uh, but it's inherent to our process. Um, so, you know, as nurses, we, we see a problem and we solve a problem. And mm-hmm. that that's a lot of the process of innovation there is, is adding that new value, creating novel value and, and, and making someone's life a, a better place. And that's what we do as nurses. Unfortunately, um, because of, of the way healthcare has been structured, nurses haven't necessarily had a platform to display those innovations. Uh, and then we, we also live in a world where uh, we hide them from people. You know, we, we call them a workaround, I think was a word that you mentioned earlier. Because uh, mm-hmm. we live in fear of, of getting in trouble for using tongue depressors and tape in, in new and different ways. <laughs> and um, that that's not the, the nursing world that I think any of us really want to live in. I, I think nurses need to mm-hmm. be celebrated for their contributions. Um, and I think there have been, you know, a, a, a vast amount of, of nursing contributions uh, that, that have changed the world. So, uh, like for Anita Dorr, who, who developed the crash cart, um, you know, plenty, plenty of great examples. She was also the, the founder of the Emergency Nurses Association. Uh, but innovation is something that every one of your listeners uh, engages in on a daily basis. We just don't necessarily frame it that way. And it's time for us to start reframing that and then take claim for the work that we're doing and also uh, encourage our, our interprofessional colleagues to do the same so that mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be an, an us versus them component, but this mm-hmm. is a look at what we can achieve together. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of my, my DNP work was, was finding uh, or was it was uh, finding the evidence on how interprofessional collaboration really enhances people's joy with their work and increases mm-hmm. their intent to stay. Um, so, you know, that that's what we do with, through our work at the Innovation Studio is we require teams to, to be interprofessional in nature. So if a nurse has an idea, they have to find someone who has a complementary skill set 
uh, who has mm. empathy for the problem they're trying to solve to be part of their team. The same thing if, if two physicians come to us or two engineers, they mm-hmm. need to work in a professional as a team to, to use those design thinking aspects um, that really allow for the problem to be uh, universally solved or as universally solved as possible. Um, I love that. But one, yeah. One yeah, of the other the things innovation about innovation. Really is, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about out. it as being a team sport. We, we, from the standpoint of we are taking care of the same people with the same set of problems in the same places, um, and we're not bringing in the range of disciplines. And oftentimes what we need is not somebody inside of our traditional biomedical model. You might Mm -hmm. need a locksmith. You might need a coder. You might need a data scientist. You might need a seamstress. There are so many different skills that come into um, solving a problem. And one of the things, too, when we're trying to solve many of the healthcare, one of the things that I noticed in this concept of being the entrepreneur, I spend a lot of time in the startup world and in the technology world. And the vast majority, and Tim can back me up on this, the vast majority of healthcare startups, the people who are forming them have zero healthcare background. I mean, zero. Mm-hmm. But hmm. what they do have is 100% healthcare frustration. And so what they've done is that they have identified the problem. And usually it might be a parent of or a sibling of or, you know, somebody who is experiencing that particular problem, whether it's diabetes, oncology, asthma, you name it. They, they know the problem really well. And so they bring a set of skills oftentimes that we're not um, familiar with or a set of tools. And I think that that's the other part. I mean, Tim was mentioning using tongue depressors and, and tape and things like that. We're using data and social media and um, uh, haptic-controlled pens, and we've got this whole new set of tools that in our traditional training on the healthcare professions, we're not introduced to blockchain or to drones or to synthetic biology. Those are over in other domains. So Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we don't invite new um, team players in, we are limiting the set of tools that we have to solve a problem, tools and skill sets. So it's this really big sandbox, and we want to invite a lot of people in. And I think one of the groups of people that get left off the most are what I refer to as the experts in the conditions. Some people call them patients, but (laughs) they really, they Mm -hmm. understand the problem in a way that we need to understand as well and have empathy for because Mm -hmm. we're trying to design for them. And healthcare innovation is a tough one because the business models don't always match up really well. You know, when you Mm -hmm. talk about who the beneficiary is, the end user, the decision maker, and who pays for all of this, and those are frequently questions that you want to ask when you're designing your business model. Well, imagine that you're a three-year-old. You know, you have the one with the condition, but you didn't make the decision. You're actually not the one who's using it. And sometimes it's the parent that gets the benefit out of the three-year-old using something. So, and, they, and, and the three-year-old certainly didn't pay for it, and the parent didn't pay for it. It might be a government agency. It might be a school. It might be a payer. So it's, it's interesting innovating in the healthcare space because it doesn't follow a lot of the more traditional entrepreneurial and innovation pathways that exist outside of healthcare, say like in the travel industry or food services or um, banking and, and finance. Right. Tim, we interrupted you. Um, was there something more you wanted to say? <laughs> uh, well, the, the only thing I want to add on to that is um, that innovation admittedly was a blind spot for me. 
when mm-hmm. when I came into, into the world of nursing. Um, even as I finished my my um, master's degree in nursing, the innovation wasn't necessarily something that was even in my in my radar as a, a potential pathway for, mm-hmm. for my professional development. Um, but I want all the listeners out there to, to hear that uh, innovation. Is, my role as a chief innovation officer and Shauna's role as a nurse economist are nursing professions and mm-hmm. are nursing roles. Um, and I, I hope that if, if you're out there and you're considering the nursing profession, um, particularly if you're an individual uh, who, who may uh, be one, one of the people that we need the most in the profession, you know, as, as we're looking to um, address the social determinants of health and the racial inequality that's occurring in our country, one of the things that we need is a much more diverse nursing population so that we can fix um, or, or, or help fix and address the amount of uh, racism that's occurring within healthcare, which which may be the greatest predictor of health in the United States. Absolutely. Um, so for those of you who are out here listening uh, and you're considering your pathway, and maybe bedside nursing isn't the, the most exciting aspect of, of, of the profession to you, know that innovation and, and being an economist and all these different pathways are accessible and open to you as a nurse, and know that people like Shauna and I uh, would love to have you come join us in the profession. Yes, exactly. We yeah, have a, I, I we have a caller. Him, you're, I was going to say, I, before we take that, just real quick, oh, okay. you're addressing those who are thinking about um, becoming into the profession. I want to have a call out to those industry partners and those who lead innovation agendas and the policymakers. They don't include nurses on their innovation right. teams. It doesn't exactly. occur to them. So, you know, yes, please come join us. And then also, please invite us in to the work yes. that you're doing. Exactly. Uh, we do have a caller uh, who's come in. His name is Ernest. And uh, Ernest, are you on on the line? Uh, yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself yeah. and what is, do you have a question or a comment? I recognize uh, this uh, Can more I than, ask a question? Yeah, we know this guy. Comment. We know this guy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Ernest. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Ernest Brass. Um, nursing. <laughs> yes. Are, are you by I any chance involved in the ANA? Uh, yes, I am. I'm the, uh, I'm the president of the American Nurses Association. That's kind of feeling. And, uh, so I want, yeah, <laughs> I want to thank you all for uh, for doing this show. It's uh, it's very much needed, and uh, happy to have the opportunity to call in. Um, I just have uh, perhaps a, a quick comment, if you don't mind, and that is, oh, uh, you know, as as we're trying to, um, obviously, uh, the world of innovation is something that's somewhat new, if you will, to the nursing profession, or I shouldn't say it's new, but at least it's uh, we're, we're paying a lot more attention to it than, uh, than we have in the past. And for someone from a different culture, uh, you know, say if I'm an African-American or, or other minority, um, chances are there's not been that many people that have preceded me, if you will, uh, as to how to go about, uh, you know, uh, getting a product or, or a thought or an idea that I may have. And I was just wondering if you could uh, elaborate a little bit on the importance of, uh, you know, getting a mentor uh, you know, or someone, you know, particularly maybe someone from your culture, but definitely someone who has been there, done that, that can help guide you, um, you know, a, a little bit, but also with the understanding of you as a minority. You know, the mentor doesn't have to be of the same culture, but, uh, right. you know, but how would they go about embracing, you know, you from your culture 
and assisting you with uh, with the needs that you may need um, to uh, you know to, to help get your your innovation across. Funny you had mentioned that. I was just talking about it on the break. <clears throat> and Tim had just brought up the the topic of uh, of having a better um, mix of uh, the the caregivers who are the same background and same mm-hmm. kind of experience level as the patients are, which will make a big difference. Tim, do you want to um, talk about mentorship? Before you do that, I want I want everybody to know that um, Ernest represents a minority in nursing. Super yes. tall nursing. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Quite true. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think Shauna may actually a trailblazer be... on many other fronts. Right. Shauna, yeah. do you do you want to tackle this one? I think you've you've been a mentor to me, um, and I, I think that it's one of your exceptional skill sets. So I, I think the audience may um, may benefit from from what I've learned from you um, more than more than what I'm able to. Uh, sure. Not so clearly. Um, and I right do now. get asked that question a lot from the standpoint of. Um, there's a hunger, and usually it's a frustration. You know, people, like, they see things, nurses see things that frustrate them, and they want to be able to solve them, and they do not know where to go. Um, and from the, the first standpoint is, um, a not everybody has to be the innovator or the entrepreneur, but everybody has to be in on the team. And part of that team can mean that you're a cheerleader or you're a fan. And so when you see somebody that comes along and says, hey, I'm trying to solve this, um, the thing not to say is, oh, that will never work or that's a crazy idea or that's been done before. That's like, that's like an innovation killer. <laughs> so from yeah. the standpoint of the first thing to do is to celebrate that and say, wow, that I'm so glad that you're thinking along those lines. And a lot of people who have this desire, they need to find a, a community and a tribe. And so a, there are lots of ways to do that. And right now, we're going to have to do that online. It's going to be a lot harder to do it um, when we're physically distancing. But every community has a local startup, entrepreneur, venture capital. You know, that's the group of people who are thinking around how are we doing things differently. And they don't have to be in healthcare. But you do need to find that tribe, and there are people online. There's a great book that Bonnie Clipper and a couple of our nursing yes. colleagues put together, The Nurse's Guide to Innovation, and that is very tactical, strategic. A lot of this is developing that mindset and developing the language and the understanding. Um, so what does that mean? It means going and making, a, making yourself discoverable and mm-hmm. putting your hand up. I want to solve this. That means making sure that you have a profile on LinkedIn. Are you on Twitter? Are you, and you don't have to be talking, but you need to be listening and seeing who's doing what. Going to conferences. And right now, we get to go to way more conferences than we would have been able to because mm-hmm. they've all been online. And right. so mm-hmm. finding these, these conferences that are not the ones that most of the healthcare folks have been going to. They haven't seen South by Southwest or TED or Aspen Ideas Festival, which just kicked off last night. Um, mm-hmm. The conference that I produce, Exponential Medicine. There are many of these conferences that are bringing together the technology, the tools, the trailblazers, and the front runners, you know, those who are out there experimenting with them. That is a great way to start finding your tribe. And what I think about is finding the thing that you're most frustrated about. And what frustrates you? Because, you know, I hear this, time, this you know, stuff, follow your passion. And I think of that as like a high school romance. It's going to die out. You're going to lose interest. <laughs> it's really hard to sustain it. But if you pick the thing that you're frustrated about, frustration just grows. 
and mm-hmm. it requires a lot of conviction to stick through because innovation is a lot of there's a lot of feedback i mean this concept of failing fast in healthcare we don't like that term failure because we need to be safe but there is a place to safely experiment and to have the mm-hmm. tenacity and we're going to need that to figure out how are we going to do contact tracing how are we going to treat this particular mm-hmm. virus this moment right now calls for us to do that so we need to find that community and be a part of that community listening learning right. contributing asking questions, making yourself available, and being confident. I mean, there's a competence that comes, but there's a confidence that I'm a nurse. I know how to do this stuff. I've got this. So there's an attitude and a mindset that comes, you know, where you find that. And that's where you start mm-hmm. finding that group, the Sanciel, the Society of Nurse um, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and Leaders. That's mm-hmm. another great tribe and a community to be a part yes. of. Um, like I said, the, the conferences, the community, the language, the vocabulary, the mindset. And like I said, even if you're not that person who has the frustration, you have an incredible role, which is encouragement and enablement to say, I am so glad you care about this problem. And what can I, you know, do you want me to be a sounding board? And even if you're not a sounding board, for heaven's sakes, don't be a wet blanket. Exactly. Really hard work. I actually, I have two follow-ups. One, Ernest, are you still on the line? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, great. I'm going to ask you a question in one second. But for those of you who are who are looking um, to to expand your your knowledge base on innovation, uh, we'll be hosting our sixth annual. Uh, idea workshop, which stands for Innovation Design Entrepreneurship Amplified, um, and that'll be online in October. So uh, please do look at me up, reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll give you the information um, on how to how to uh, get registered and set up for success, success there. Okay. Um, but Ernest, I, I, I do want to ask you, um, you know, to, to follow up on your question, I, I'm sure you've been in those shoes before, and, you know, as uh, – as, as you came up to the profession, I can't imagine that there were a lot of mentors who were who were from um, who, who looked and talked and, and thought like mm-hmm. you. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us about how we can improve um, the, the amount or the, the uh, diversity of our population in nursing, and, and is innovation a pathway to do that? Or what are some things that we can be doing as clinicians to encourage uh, a more diverse uh, workforce? Thanks, Tim. That's a really great question, and you you are right. <laughs> Uh, and that uh, there were a few, if any, uh, that were there. But uh, those that uh, that were there, they tended to be very progressive. They reached out, and uh, they saw, uh, as I tell people, they saw a lot of leadership skills in me that I failed to recognize, you know, right away. And um, you know, and the way that uh, you know they kept, uh, you know, working at it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they would call me up. Let's have lunch. Let's do this. What are you doing about this or that, or what are your thoughts on this? Uh, so, you know, they really kept me involved. And I think today to help, um, you know, groom the next group of, uh, of individuals to, uh, to come along, uh, either as innovators or, or as members of the profession, uh, particularly from a very diverse background, it's going to take going into the elementary schools, probably starting around fourth, fifth grade, and, uh, you know, exposing students to what a nurse uh, is, you know, that it's not necessarily just someone who works at a, you know, local hospital, but that we are educators, we're researchers, we're innovators, we, you know, we, um, you know, we have a, um, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, 
and um, you know, and those STEM courses that we take, even to take care of you know the the sick person, those mm-hmm. same STEM courses applies to our entrepreneurial and innovation, uh, you know, technology that we want to do as well. But until you look around and see someone that looks like you, then chances are your you know your idea may be stunted or may not even have the opportunity to grow because you may think that oh, am I the only one? And if I'm the only one, then, you know, I may feel that I don't have the support uh, that I need in order to succeed. So it's very important that we put ourselves out there for the, uh, you know, for the young uh, kids. And as I said, it starts probably around the fourth and fifth grade. You know, when you're looking at high school, it's too late. We need to start grooming that much earlier. Uh, Ernest, I'm so sorry to stop this, but we are coming to the end of the show here, and I want to thank you so very much for calling in and and adding this input. It certainly, um, uh, I'm just very grateful for for you to call, and I want to also thank uh, both of my guests. So, uh, Shauna Butler, and I've introduced her before as being a nurse economist, and then she also has the podcast See You Now, so you can hear a lot more from her. Shauna, can you just briefly, um, how do people get a hold of you if they need, they would like to talk to you more? Sure. I am on Twitter. Um, my handle is Shauna Butler RN, and I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Shauna Butler RN MBA. And I would love it if they would reach out and just, yes. you know, following on what Ernest was saying there real quick, there's an onus on those who are in leadership roles to reach out to those folks who are earlier in their profession or considering it. And I tell people all the time, every time you have a meeting or something to go to, take somebody who's half your age who doesn't look anything yes. like you, and they will mentor right. you. Everybody right. Actually, I go you. both they ways. Mentor you. Yeah. Tim, I need yeah. to um, add you in. We just have about a minute. Um, how do people get a hold of you? And then Ernst, is that something people can contact you? So Tim first? Yeah. About 30 seconds. You can find me. LinkedIn is my uh, is my pathway in social media. So find me on LinkedIn, connect. I'd, I'd love to have conversations with you, and we can talk okay. about how we can change the world together. And that's Tim Raderstorf, uh, R-A-D-E-R-S-T-O-R-F. Uh, Ernst, would you like to? Uh, same, yes, uh, same thing as Tim. I can be found on uh, LinkedIn, and it's just uh, Ernest Grant that is there, and uh, be happy to uh, you know to help in any way that I can. Thank you so very much. All your listeners need to go and watch Tim's talk at TEDx Columbus. Yes. um, Also, please join the podcast, the See You Now podcast. It's wherever you get them, Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, That's where a lot of conversation and a lot of great innovation that nurses are driving. Um, And you must go and watch Tim's uh, talk. It really Help yes. Orient people yes. to what they Excellent. need to be thinking about. Excellent. And both of those things. Thank you so very much. Um, uh, I had a couple things, but I'm going to just go right to closing. Um, I think we need to do another conversation on this. We'll have to talk about when that will be. So this has been uh, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And our title today was Nurses, Scientists, and Innovators as Critical Assets to Healthcare. And again, my my guests um, were Shauna Butler, nurse economist, and um, she is the host for CU Now, and Tim Raderstorff, who is the chief innovation officer at the Ohio State University College. And our call-in person was Ernest Grant, who is the president of the ANA. 
So it doesn't get any better than that. Thank you so very much. And I hope everyone will come back and join us again next week. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week. to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID-19, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search